Sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, September the 12th. There's a new iPhone coming out. Um, we won't talk about that. That's a whole other podcast. Uh, Virginia had a football game in the rain, then was going to have another football game in the rain, and then they got moved because they thought it was going to be a lot of rain. And now there's probably not going to be as much rain, but maybe there will be rain like Monday, even though that's not really the same kind of forecast. A whole lot of crazy stuff has happened in the last 48 hours when it comes to um, uh, forecasts and uh, plans and logistics. And now they're staying in multiple hotels and it's this whole crazy thing. So we're going to get into all of the drama that has been the last few days in Virginia football. Uh, we will talk about the the loss to Indiana. We will talk about the upcoming game in Nashville against Ohio, which is, again, one of the weirdest sentences I've ever said out loud. Um, and we will obviously – I don't care if one Mark Clay Bronco Bartholomew Mendenhall wants to try to steal fists out of the ball. Okay, that was us. Okay, we own that. So we're going to do that later. Um, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. Um, up in Fishersville, David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? Uh, I'm doing well, Brad. I'd like to – Gladly taking a moment away from the Weather Channel to do a little podcast. So, who days on the board at who days on Twitter? Here's my hot take of the evening: the Weather Channel is trash. Okay. Uh, also up in Arlington, uh, staff writer Justin Ferber is also on the show. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Um, based on the weather that we've had here in Virginia over the last week or so, I would have assumed that the hurricane was already here because I haven't seen the sun in a long time. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Please help me. <laughs> Cavs Corner, also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, content items, and occasional witty banter. All right, so Virginia goes to Bloomington and plays in a monsoon, uh, loses 20-16. to 16. Uh, I feel like, is it safe to say that maybe that that score it, it implies the game was closer than it was? Because it, it, watching it, it certainly felt like Indiana controlled that thing. Um but the, the defense made enough plays on Virginia's side to give the offense a chance. But it didn't really feel like they had a um, a significant chance at the end, even though um, maybe they technically did. As you guys look back at that game, what's the one thing that frustrates you the most, Ferber? Like, what's the thing that when you look back on it, you think is just the biggest missed opportunity aspect of it? Um, whew, that's a tough one. Uh, the fumble and the kick return, probably. Um, I know that's an obvious answer, but, you know, if you look at every other drive the two teams had besides that one that was like 12 yards or whatever it was that Indiana had to go to score after that fumble, um, it was it kind of felt like a bit of a stalemate between the two teams. Indiana definitely ran the ball better at times, but if you look at, you know, the actual production of those drives and where they ended up, um, Indiana had one drive that ended up in field goal range and it got blocked. And then UVA had the last drive that got into what would have been field goal range or close. Um, and then obviously the game ended. Um, I think that play, obviously it was a huge swing in the game because UVA scored on their first drive. Indiana scored on their first drive. So it kind of felt like maybe it could have been a shootout, especially if UVA had gone down and scored again. Um, you have to remember in that Richmond game, they scored four straight times or whatever. So, um, They've shown that, you know, if they get clicking, you know, they can keep scoring. But when they fumbled it, even though Juan Thornhill returned the uh, extra point for two, um, you know, they were still behind. And, and at that point, it felt like it was an uphill battle. And then the rain wasn't getting any better. And then when Indiana went up 20 to nine, obviously, it felt like they were playing from behind or, or obviously they were playing from behind. But it felt like a significant lead that was going to be tough to overcome from that point. I mean, other than that, I mean, they won the turnover battle, right? So, or they they tied the turnover battle. So, um, that was the one play that obviously, like, if you could take one play out of the game, that would be the one you would take out. Yeah, I, I feel like as I looked back on it and and like looked at the numbers and looked at the grades and everything, I think the thing that is really frustrating is that Virginia did a lot of things that past Virginia teams haven't done in order to like win a game, like blocking kicks and um, you know. Be getting big, you know, defensive stands. I mean, they shut them out in the second half. But like at the same time, there's so many like little things. You know, a penalty here, even whether it was a ghost penalty or not, but a penalty here. You know, the fumble. Obviously, I feel I feel horrible for Joe Reed because I feel like if there's ever a kid who you just naturally sort of want to have good things happen to, it's that dude. And for him to um, to bobble that kickoff and then corral it and then start to 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 make his way upfield. 
um, and, and fumble. I, man, and that really was, I think, the turning point in the game. Dave, as you look back on this game, what's the most frustrating thing for you? Yeah, I mean, it would be the fumble, but, you know, since you guys have already discussed that, not not to draw too much on one play, but the the low block slash chop block call on Peacock right after we got the interception and started moving the ball. Um, I mean, if I can just pick one play, I thought the offense finally was clicking a little bit, and then, boom, they're behind the chains in the weather, and away went the opportunity. So, um, look, Virginia didn't do enough to win that game but they still managed to stay in it. Um, overall, I was frustrated with the, the lack of creativity on the office in the offensive game plan. Some of that came down to execution. Probably most of it came down to execution. Um, but I was impressed with the, you're right. It, it felt like if you didn't know the score of that game and you just watched, you know, you just watched a bit of it, Indiana kind of dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Um, and in many ways, they should have won by by more than they did, um, so that is encouraging as a as a who fan to see the team becoming more able to to be competitive and stay in the game. Um, but it, it's also frustrating when one's that close, and when you're talking about a team that we all assume is going to be kind of right on the borderline of bowl eligibility, to lose a game you had like that, whether it's the fumble that you know cost you six, well, I guess technically cost you five. Um, Four. Four, yeah, sorry. Um, you know, it, it is frustrating, but it is what it is. I mean, the one take-home for me that I was like, um, I just can't get over how annoyed I was with the offensive game plan. Yeah, I mean, real quick, just one thing. Um, you know, like, the way that I felt about it was, you know, they, they I don't think the officiating was that great. Um, and like you said, the game plan wasn't – you know, Jordan Ellis getting 12 touches in the weather that they had seems low. Um, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not breaking the film down in, in that detail and, like, seeing, you know, if he misread plays or if he wasn't doing something else they didn't like or whatever. But um, obviously they've shown that they're willing to go back to back and back and back to Bryce um, a lot. I mean, he ran the ball 25 times. Uh, though I came away from the game feeling like UVA could have won it. I didn't feel like they should have won it. I kind of didn't feel like – I'm not saying they didn't deserve to – like if they had won on that last play, I'm not saying they didn't wouldn't have deserved it. But I didn't walk away feeling like they got like robbed or like left a lot on the table. It kind of felt like Indiana was the better team. And maybe if the weather had been better, they would have won by more. Um, but, I mean, obviously we don't know that. I would even say like, – if they were smart enough to not stop calling the exact same, yeah, play, we couldn't. Stop. I mean, they would they, when they went away from when they went away from Scott, that was when they yeah. got stopped. And a lot of times they would get away from him on like third and short, and then yeah. they would get stopped. Like they would run like a reverse, or Ramsey would keep it, or they throw, and it just seemed like a waste. But you know, I, I think on the flip side of that, UVA had a couple of uh, momentum killing, back breaking type pass interference defensive backfield type penalties that kept drives going. Um, obviously, Braden had the interception, and I don't know if he would have gotten it without the interference, but Joey Blunt had two big pass interference calls. I think they were both on third down. Um, and he, I think he ended up with three in the game, but there were two that I remember that were kind of like UVA could have gotten off the field and they weren't able to. Um, but, I mean, that stuff happens in the course of a game. Um, the last play or the play before the last play, the pass interference was really weird. The, the way that whole thing went down. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. I think the refs got that as right as they could. That that's the rule. I mean, but I understand why people were frustrated with that because it seems like Indiana kind of got away with one there. Yeah, yeah Brandon will steal it from one more time. I'll let you. Um, that's okay. The the thing that's frustrating for me, you know, I said I was frustrated by the offense. It, it's not just the play calling like the first drive was beautiful what what's kind of at this point my biggest concern with with you know dr bob or whoever we want to talk about on the offensive side of the ball is we have like the offense is so bad at making adjustments to what the other team either they come out based on what they've seen on film and they usually have some success early you know and the games virginia's good in but once the team makes an adjustment they haven't shown an ability to adjust back um on the defensive side of the ball, we do show that ability. So that disconnect is what frustrates me because I feel like 
that's what's going to hurt the team growing, going forward. And it can be simple things. Like I'm not expecting you to go come out and run a pro style offense. You've been actually been working on the option, but you know, go some, take the weather out of it, you know, run, run a drive with, you know, go no huddle for a few plays, get, get Bryce lathered up, get him in the rhythm, get a few straight carries Jordan, even if they're negative, just show them you're willing to do it. It's just the same thing. Drive after drive after drive. that wasn't working is what I've seen too often. That's what frustrated me. You said lathered up. Ugh. That's one of those words like coral. I, just, ugh, I don't know. It just gives me the heebie-jeebies. Um, all right, two things. One, I, I totally hear where you're coming from about the offense because the thing that I was sort of frustrated by watching it was that we, we watched them have success against Richmond, and I'm not trying to necessarily make apples-to-apples comparisons between Richmond and Indiana, but like even just that diamond formation where you're giving it to Ellis – I mean, I, I, I don't I, I don't know what Dr. Bob saw that I didn't see in that game, because if you, you, you listen to his comments yesterday um, or as you listen to this uh, on Tuesday, like he's he was not happy with with his running backs in a way that I just didn't see. And the, certainly the data didn't say. Right. I mean, Ellis is averaging what, like five yards a carry or something like that. In that four to five yard of carry um, average, I just thought that it was five point three. Okay, even better. So like, so like, y- y- there were definitely opportunities there for you to get the ball to him. I, that diamond formation certainly worked against Richmond, and it certainly you know was something that they couldn't stop. I would have liked to have seen what it could have done um, against the the Hoosiers. The other point I would make is that to Dave's point about like the way that the defense can adapt in this you know versus the offense that's so spot on like I could not agree with that more like what Virginia did in the second half I thought was really impressive on the defensive side and you just never got the sense and you still have not gotten the sense that when when the offense hits some sort of uh turbulence that they're able to sort of weather it no pun intended on the turbulence like think about like the Miami game last year right like perfect example like when that hot knife was going through the butter Man, it was going, but then all of a sudden, the, it's like the air just goes completely out of the balloon, um, and that's something they yeah. got to fix. And the running game should be the thing that they're able to go to because you can. And I understand that the conditions the other night made it so that that's tough. But I'm just saying, like Jordan Ellis will get you some yardage. Um, relying on Bryce to have to do his Fred Astaire thing and he's dancing through. Like I, I just thought that if you if you could have at least attempted to assert Ellis more that would have worked for even more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's not just this year. I mean, even go, you mentioned the uh, Miami game last year, but think back to the games we won last year. You know, Boise, the offense came out gangbusters. Boise made a couple of adjustments. We had a couple big plays, but that was kind of it. You know, after that UNC game, they made adjustments, pretty much shut us down. If, if OZ doesn't break down the sideline, we'd probably lose that game. So, even in games they've won, <laughs> they've, they've struggled to to change what they are. Um, yeah. And I agree completely about the diamond formation. You, you're in those conditions. Like I felt TK and OZ, as good as they are, they were kind of neutralized with the field like it was. And obviously they were both having issues. Um, OZ was dropping the ball. Some other receivers were as well. I don't remember once seeing like Peacock, Kyer, Sharp all together, um, which, which made little sense. You know, put bigger bodies out there and go mash somebody. Yeah. Especially if that's what you want to be, a power running team. As we heard after Richmond, I didn't see enough of that in Indiana. They also didn't seem very interested in um, – and this could have been weather-related. It could have been related to how they felt they could block. Um, they did ran, they ran a couple of plays that didn't really work, but they didn't really seem very interested in going horizontal. Um, like you didn't see a lot of stuff like quick out to the flat or wide receiver screens or these little pop pass type plays. I know there was one to Zacchaeus that got kind of blown up in the backfield, but I don't remember there being many of those. So, um, I mean, if you're just relying on Bryce to carry the ball over and over again, eventually, you know, the the, the element – I'm not saying people would be surprised by him keeping the ball at this point, but the um, that hesitation from the linebackers that you see kind of goes away at a certain point because they're right. just going to key on him. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, like you were talking about the diamond formation. What I noticed against Richmond is – a lot of those plays, um, obviously there are some keeper plays and, like I said, horizontal plays out of that formation. Um, Ellis got the ball a lot from that formation or you know, similar like pistol looks against Richmond, 
and not very many carries out of straight shotgun with him lined up to the left or to the right. Um, you know, and that makes sense to a degree. It's a little easier to run out of the pistol sometimes. You get your running back kind of with a head of steam. The plays out of the shotgun are more of the read option type plays, so you'll see a lot more keepers out of that. And if I can pick up on that, I'm sure Indiana's defensive coordinator can. You know Agreed. what I'm saying? Yeah. And the thing that also frustrated me, too, you mentioned that Zacchaeus play. Like, I think Anai has to kind of go into these games and understand that, like, if you do anything with Alameda Zacchaeus near the ball, they're just going to key on him. Like, that's, 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 that's all they're going to – like, they know he's your dude, right? And, like, you sort of have to – like, that, on that play, I, I, I remember texting with you guys and, like, they need to flip the, the Kelly and Zacchaeus roles. Like, you need to use Zacchaeus and their, like, their inability to, to, like, look anywhere else, right? You need to use that against them. Like, yeah, Kelly's a guy at this point that, the, you know, the word's out that he's a speed demon and, and, and you're going to try to use him and stuff. But, like, I, I would like to see Virginia using Zacchaeus, not just in the terms of, like, hey, we got to get our, our best guy the ball, but also, like, hey, every time we do anything different with him, when he's not just lined up, if he goes in motion, the whole defense is watching him because they know how badly we want to get him the ball. I think they got to leverage that, and I think that, that – that not leveraging it is is doing a disservice to your offense. I don't want this to turn into the to the offensive bashing uh, podcast. Um, so I will say that on the yeah, team, I mean we still don't know. I mean like they've only played one game, right? And then a game in terrible weather. So I mean like we and Indiana as much as Indiana is not like Alabama, they're not bad. I mean that team I thought coming into the game was pretty decent, and I came out thinking that they're pretty decent. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I don't want to make it sound like the defense was gangbusters. I mean, the defense was getting destroyed. Yeah, um, the secondary just, had a very up and down game. Yeah, like, but they managed to do enough, and that you know and that's what football is. Yeah, you know, the defensive line struggled, and then because they were struggling, you know, the linebackers weren't where they needed to be. It's like they weren't trusting the man in front of them. Um, but they did make enough big plays to keep us in the game. Um, neither side was without fault, and I think. You know, it gets back to winning the line of scrimmage. You know, it's it's a simple game. You can do all that stuff, but if, if you're getting, if you're not able to knock the guy back in front of you, you can't do what you need to do. Um, yeah, profound. Is that the end of the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my <mic> drop. <laughs> um, before we get into, um, we get into kind of talking about. The schedule changes, and then talk about Frank Solich and the Fighting Bobcats of Ohio. Um, and I still think it's just amazing that their opening game was against Mike Linden's uh, Howard team. Um, and that Ferber sent this, this text message today was like explaining like what happened and why Ohio was able to come back and win that game. And you're like, it was the most, it was like the most Mike London sort of it uh, was. scenario ever. I mean, they had these like big leads and then deficits and then special teams mess- mistakes and a bunch of turnover. It was like, you know, when he was here, it was kind of like you didn't, anything could happen. Like no lead was safe. They could come back. Like you, you never knew what to expect. At least with Brian, we have a little bit of an idea. It's a little <laughs> bit more like sane way that the games usually go. Um, but yeah, I, I just looked at that box score and was like, oh my god. <laughs> oh, you know what? Before before I segue here, um, real quick, should he have gone for two earlier in the game to make it a? I mean, granted, Virginia doesn't have a field goal kicker that it trusts in normal yeah. weather, let alone in a downpour. But just out of curiosity, because guys, I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. When they, when when the, at the end of the game when the announcer started mentioning it, I was like, oh snap! That was a thing that could have yeah. actually. I never it never even occurred to me at the time. It didn't occur to me at the time. All right, well, good. And then I feel. I, I, feel I mean, there was so much time left in the game. Yeah. Like, and I honestly, was, I I would have been stunned if you told me at that time that Indiana wasn't going to score again. True. Because it seemed like they were going to keep scoring. So if UVA was going to win, it wasn't going to be. Yeah. You know. And they did twenty to twenty going points. into overtime. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, well before we uh, get to um, this, the next segment, I want to uh, take our first ad break of the evening and, and talk to you about Ask Landis. Um, so the, the podcast is obviously brought to you again this week by Ask Landis, which is a company based in Charlottesville that specializes in helping you downsize and declutter. Uh, they've served Central Virginia for the past 10 years. Um, their owners, Stephen Landis and Brandon Lloyd, have been helping folks all over the region clear things out from their homes and their businesses as well as uh, providing them a, a solution to go from just you know point A to point B. Um, so not only will Ask Landis come out to your house and or to your business and help clean up everything, but if, 
If there's stuff that they can recycle, they do that whenever possible. Um, so let's say you've got like a garage that you've been putting off um, cleaning out, or maybe you've got a, a relative who is moving from um, you know their their home of the last 35 years to like an assisted living facility, for example. Um, I know when when we moved my grandmother out of her home, I really could have used a service like this. Um, so if you are in that situation, feel free to, to, to give uh, Stephen and Brandon a shot because um, they can definitely help to try to declutter your life. Uh, give them a call today, uh, free consultation, 434-249-8383, or you can visit com for more. Our thanks again to Ask Lannis for their support of the show and all of CavsCorner.com. All right, so I, I don't want to talk too much about whether they should or shouldn't have postponed, I mean, uh, moved the game or what have you. Um, I, I am still, to my core, confused as to why they did this on Tuesday. I'm going to assume that there was another game looking to get Nashville, uh, looking to move, that Virginia thought, you know what, let's go ahead and pull the trigger now so we don't have to worry about whether or not we do get this thing played. And hearing Broncos' comments on the ACC call today and how important it was to him that this game did get played, um, I totally understand that. I'm still, not, I'm still confused as to why they pulled this trigger on Tuesday instead of Wednesday. Um, and maybe in the big scheme of things, it still wasn't worth it to them because of the, the amount of first responders that you'd have um, at Scott Stadium versus where they you know, would otherwise need to be, which is actually helping people in a, in a potential disaster. I'm still confused as to the timing, but um, you know, I guess I guess got to make my, my peace with it. I guess I will open it up for you guys to talk a little bit about that. Um, are you still miffed by it, or have you sort of moved on, Dave? Um. <laughs> I'm not miffed. I mean, I'm salty that I'm missing a home game, but it's not because they decided to move it, you know, <laughs> or, or that I feel, you know, or that I feel like, you know, this was, it was a bad decision. Like I understand why they did it, you know, tying up resources, the planning that has to go into it. Um, like, yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't know that waiting till Wednesday would have changed anything. I don't think even now looking at the weather today, I don't know that you could say 100 with 100 percent certainty. Oh yeah, we'll be able to play at home on Saturday, and it'll be safe, you know. Um, and who's coming if the weather's bad? I mean, half of Virginia has the potential to still be affected if the storm wobbles a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm if because not because of the situation or not because they decided to move it. I'm if because it's one less you know one less Saturday you get to spend with the boys or or the gals at Scott Stadium, which for me. Uh, is a big deal. So I understand why they did it, did it though. What about you, Ferber? And I'm, look, I'd much rather be one of our, I'd much better be playing this weekend than the true. other teams who didn't try to That's move and true. aren't playing. So. Oh, well, but then again, you might not be able to see it because at this point, we still don't have TV information or broadcast information, as the case may be. Um, or my Periscope. But... You, are, you are my guy <laughs> when it comes to TV stuff. Explain to the people why the 4.30 time slot immediately made you scratch your head a little bit. Um, basically, you know, it's just like college football does it pretty much like the NFL as far as TV goes with a few exceptions. I mean, you have your big slate of noon, three thirty, or noon, twelve thirty games, depending on the network. Um, a lot of this is driven by ESPN because that's the ACC's contract is with ESPN. So basically the way that they pick games is ESPN goes through and picks the ones they want and sets the time and puts the, what channel they're going to be on. And then after that, you know, it goes to the ACC network, the local game, the Raycom game or whatever. Um, and then, like, it goes on down to the regional sports network games and then eventually streams, right? So 4.30 is just kind of odd because it's not really in one of those windows, meaning that it's not at 12, 12.30, 3.30, or 7, 7.15, 7.30, right? It's kind of in the middle of the second window. Um, so that is odd. They could still leave it on the stream. I don't think we're going to have any problem watching it. Um, I think it'll end up probably on one of the ESPN networks on TV because they've had so many other games canceled. I just thought it was odd. I don't know how they arrived at that time because it's different than the original game time. So I just kind of wondered like how they ended up at that. It's just an odd time to set the game for. Um, and I can't imagine that that decision was like weather related or anything like that. It's just my only thinking was it was like a Vanderbilt decision or something. And going back to Dave's point, obviously safety is the, is the big thing. And, as far as everybody second guessing, you know, why they moved it or whatever, when they did it, 
I kind of think that unless you're in that room, you don't really know what the situation is because it's not like you can just snap. This isn't Madden. You can't just, like, move a game. Like, it's not that easy. I mean, look at all the other teams. Like, I think it was, like, 16 games in Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina, and all of them have either been moved, canceled, or uh, the time has changed, right? So I think UVA and Richmond were the only two teams that were able to successfully move their games to other locations. Richmond is just playing at the team that they're playing against. Right. Um, so, I mean, I think that they did a pretty good job of getting it played. Um, obviously, safety is the number one concern, but the way it, with the trajectory of this program, the way, the way it is now, and um, the opponent that they have and the schedule that they have and considering that they just lost, um, I think that they wanted to do everything they could to play this game in hopes that it would help them get eligible for the postseason. Ohio is a good team. It's not a guarantee that you're going to win, but if you don't play this game, it, it can only really hurt you. Um, it's not going to help you get to bowl eligibility and, you know, playing a, a team on your bye week is just not really feasible, especially since their bye week is only a few weeks away. So, um, and the fact, the reason it's at Vanderbilt is because Carla Williams has an in there. I don't think that that, because she used to work there and obviously she worked in that conference. So I don't think there's any like, you know, it's not like they could have played it anywhere they wanted and that's where they settled on, you know. So they don't want to put their boots on and go down and get some hot chicken. That's not what this is about. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think – but I understand that, like, you know, the this, this storm changes, but what if it had changed the other direction during that time and then it was too late to do anything but cancel it? We'd be sitting here saying, like, oh, man, if only they had an opportunity to play it at Ohio or something. Um, so – and – you know, I don't want to keep going on about this, but like Ohio is, you know, Virginia is only half the equation. You know, if Ohio was saying like, look, we don't feel comfortable flying down there because we don't want to get stuck in the middle of a storm and it might not be safe for our student athletes, then Virginia needs to kind of like take that into consideration and decide whether they want to move the game or not play it. I, uh, I want to, is even though I still, I still, there's a part of me that it doesn't make sense. Why not wait till Wednesday? I gotta admit, what Ferber just explained there makes a lot of sense, and I want to stand corrected. I, I think that actually your your point about being in the room, you know, the thought process behind not just the logistics of moving the game and trying to get everybody to a different stadium, but also to the the side of things for Ohio and the idea of you know not only for them wanting to come down but having to maybe get trapped um, and trying to get home. Um, what does that mean for their schedule? Um, there's a lot more, I guess, at at play than just whether or not the forecast changes. And I mean, I think part of my frustration is because I'm part, I'm, I'm a weather nerd and like that morning, um, the, the, the trends were, were already showing good for Virginia. Like it was already coming in, um, positively like that trough had already moved in and was, or I guess the signs of that trough moving in and, and kind of playing fullback, um, to lead block was, was sort of already there. But for what Ferber just ex- explained, I think is a, is a really good encapsulation. And also I think, sort of highlights to me at least why um you know you sort of have to trust the people that that you got in place and watching around the country or at least around the southeast rather as the as schools have dealt with this i think i can't remember which one you guys said it in text but i i I think it might have been further but like virginia looks like the one who had its stuff together right they acted decisively got the thing moved got the thing set moving forward you know yeah i mean they're the only ones that really did i mean everybody else either had to cancel their game or they were fighting with the other school or they made themselves look like idiots on social media not calling (laughs) out anybody specific or did a little bit of all of that (laughs) also uh also according i just checked while you guys were talking and um it looks like the game is actually going to be played at 4 15 on espn2 hey look at that hey that's during the podcast that's a big deal well, that, yeah, that, I'm that not also exactly, means that I don't I mean, have I'm to not, drive to, to, to Nashville <laughs> randomly. Yeah, I mean, we don't have an announcement yet, but, I mean, they changed, the, they changed the ESPN schedule to say that, so I can't imagine that that would be inaccurate. Yeah. Well, and that's also, too, it makes sense. And, and, and just for, like, inside baseball, which I would imagine. So, like, when the ACC agreed with ESPN that they were going to create the ACC network, one of the things that had to happen where all of the member institutions had to invest a significant amount of money, and I, I don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but essentially they had to get themselves ready to be able to broadcast games, and not just for, like, football games on, on extra or even basketball games, but like all of the Olympic sports and, and various other games that are going to be part of the package that make the linear ACC network viable because of the, the amount of inventory you need to run 
a, a cable network, right? And so if you've noticed, um, UVA runs a lot of these features now that are kind of based in this like little studio thing. Jeff White does his podcast there. It's it's the it used to be the Cavalier shop inside JPJ that they turned into a studio. Well, there's a lot more that goes into that that's also related. So like at JPJ, there's a control room. They they actually run the ACC Network extra games from Scott Stadium there. So really, as as far as I'm aware, like basically when when they have an extra game, the announcers roll up and all everything else is UVA running it. Like the producers, the you know everything. Now, if ESPN comes in and, and is running it, you know it's for ESPN or ESPN two or ESPN U. Yeah, they've got their own camera people and all that fun stuff. So like I'm not sure. And I wasn't sure what Vanderbilt would have in terms of its partnership with the with ESPN and the uh, SEC network, but it made sense to me that there was some capability there. The question was probably all along, what the heck is the schedule going to be? What games do they even have? Because obviously this was a, a streaming-only game, and now it's going to get bumped up because <laughs> through Virginia's decisive action, they're able to be on the um, you know they're able to get this thing played. So I think that's a obviously a good thing. Yeah. And maybe maybe I'm making too much of this, but I do think it's one more example that Carla's got a lot of support, not just from the you know obviously in the athletic right. department, but someone had to okay the the football team moving a home date and having to refund all those tickets. You know, obviously there wasn't fifty thousand sold, but you're refunding tickets and you're adding another road trip cost yeah. um, onto a program, and they agreed to it after everything else they've they've agreed to. So. And apparently, okay with the AD. and apparently did it, you know, without much, I mean, unless there's a whole lot of back and forth that we're not aware of, it certainly seems like the way this thing all worked. I mean, she sort of put this thing together and, and, and got it done. I'll be honest, man. Like, I don't think that there's anything that has happened yet that Carla has not impressed the crap out of me. Like her perseverance to get this thing done as quickly as she did in and of itself is impressive. But I mean, th- you, there was, uh, I guess it was, what was that thing you sent, Dave? Was it like a, an announcement about um, prior to the Louisville game, you can come and see the master plan, and there's going to be it's like not a... not Louisville. I think it's the Carolina game. Okay. Um, but yeah, four hours before a kickoff, they're gonna, she's going to do a presentation of the master plan like I, to I mean, think about members, like, yeah. I think that's just really smart. I mean, she just seems at every turn to, if there's a decision to make, she goes the right way. I just, I just, I don't know, I continue to be really impressed by her. Um, which makes me a little worried that UVA is going to be able to hold on to her long term. Um, all right, let's talk about actual football. So Ohio is not – well, first off, all right, let me tell you what. Ohio does not want you to refer to them uh, as Ohio U or OU. It it's, it's explicitly says on their game notes, Ohio, please, and then says, when referring to the Bobcats, please use Ohio. Ohio University is acceptable when using other institutions' full names, please do not use Ohio U or OU. Thank you. I got to be honest; that's the first time I've ever seen anything like that in the game notes, and it's on the front page. Um, okay, I just—I—it was the most random thing, and I just—I just had—I just had, had to talk about it. All right, Virginia Tech doesn't say no Vodtech. I, I, I don't know. That's a good question. We'll have to check that in November. They're um, not big fans of VPISU, I believe. They don't like VPSU, huh? No. Um, so I mean, uh, you got to protect the brand and all that stuff. I <laughs> that's guess. true. But in Ohio, I'm sure with Ohio State, they get a lot of confused people, and you know. So Ohio is pretty good. Like maybe they struggle with Howard, and maybe you know they don't have the season that they want um, because of X, Y, or Z. But it, as it stands right now, nine nine years in a row, they've made bowl eligibility. Um, they were nine and four last year. They picked to, they're picked to win the MAC this year. Um, I gotta say, man, like that's a f- pretty formidable squad. Uh, Dave, what's your concern about Ohio? Is it just strictly the running game and kind of watching what what Stevie Little did? Um, or sorry, Stevie Little, uh, S- Scott. He's little Stevie Scott. Stevie Scott. <laughs> little Stevie Scott. Little, little Stevie Scott. Um, what he did the other night. Like, what's your concern about Ohio going into this game? My concern is they're the team we're playing, and I'm a Virginia football fan. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Um, no, they, they definitely run the ball well. You know, defensively, I think that's that's their weak side of the ball. It, it's a game they're going to get. They're going to score some points. Um, it and Virginia's going to have to keep up. Um, not to trivialize things, but obviously now you're in a you give away your home field advantage because um, you're you're playing in a neutral field and. 
not to get off on that tangent, but that's going to be an insanely weird atmosphere to start with. Um, you know, a, a neutral field where no one really knew in advance, um, you know, long enough to make plans to go out there unless, unless you got, like we were joking about, unless you got jump, jump in a plane and go to Nashville for the weekend money. Um, so it's going to be, that's going to be unusual. It's going to be a lot of different things they have to deal with, but on the field itself, like Ohio's well coached. So it's, it's a great coach. He's been there a long time. Um, they do, they have a history of winning. Now I will say that even though they won nine games last year, I believe they only played one BCS team at Purdue, I think, and got handled pretty easily. So they're a team that's beating teams on their conference level, you know, um, not stepping up and, and smacking around teams. So they're they're a team Virginia should be able to, you know, to to man up and and, and handle. But Virginia's also shown an ability not to do that in the past. So when it comes to stopping the run, just with the the way the guys are beat against Indiana, who Indiana has a very good offensive line. Um, that might be one of the better offensive lines we see this year. And Ohio's got a very veteran offensive line too. So they're going to have to be gap sound and disciplined and beat the man in front of them. And then the linebackers behind them are going to have to trust that they do it so they stay in their gaps. So I think it was Papinga that talked about how much time they spent in run fit. Yeah, run fit and I think run Ohio's fit, going to try fit. to beat them. Yeah. You know, he's going to try to beat us on the ground, and if they can't, it's going to be up to the DBs to allow, you know, to to cover their men so that we've got six, maybe an extra guy to go after the run. Six seven three ten six six three thirty five six three two ninety seven six three two ninety seven six eight three zero six. That friends is an ACC B, you know, BCS conference offensive line. Um, plenty of experience up front. Um, uh, AJ Olette is obviously a really formidable running back. My bigger question, Ferber, is what's going on with them at quarterback? Nathan Rourke started the Howard game, was pulled. Quentin Maxwell comes in, plays pretty well. Rourke's still the starter, no or between them. Expectation, according to, to Alex Harrison, who writes for the uh, Athens News covering uh, the Bobcats, expectation is they both will play. What do you make of this two-quarterback situation? Is it a real two-quarterback deal, or is this just a situation where you see what the starters got, and if that doesn't work, you go to the backup? Yeah, I mean, when I saw it, when I was looking at Ohio to do some research, I kind of thought there was an injury or something. Um, because if you look at the stats – um, oh, yeah, and before I go any further, Dave totally disrespected Ohio's win over Kansas last year. They are still Power 5 somehow. Um, Technically, but, they have not been relegated. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> in conference affiliation-wise. Right <laughs> yeah, and that was a home game, by the way. Yeah, um, my bad. No, nah, of course. That, that that one will let go. Um, it's Kansas. No, nah, but uh, so the quarterback situation, so Rourke was a starter last year. Maxwell played a little bit. They kind of seemed to split time early in the season, and then Rourke became the, the starter. Rourke, Rourke, whatever. Um, and he went. He started the game against Hampton – or uh, Hampton, wow, Howard. Um, I always keep mixing up the opponent in that game, Brad. Can't get it right. Um I pause. All right, listen. He did this like three different times where Howard was playing Howard, and there were the Bison against the Bison. No, it was Ohio against Ohio. It, it was it was bad. Whatever it was, it was bad. It, it was it was one of those times where I was like, if I'm one of these is going to slip through, and I'm going to look like an idiot. But anyway, continue, please. Yeah. So I, I thought that you know two for eight to start the game is not good um, by any stretch, but I kind of feel like that was a pretty quick hook given he hadn't thrown any picks. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they had no issue pulling him out of the game. Um, he started two for eight for 44 yards, and they put Maxwell in, who obviously has experience. Um, and he came in and played pretty well. He had uh, 233 passing yards and two touchdowns, and then he ran for two more touchdowns. So he played pretty well. Um, but it seems like it's still Rourke's team at this point, or it's still his job to lose. Uh, I mean, we'll see what happens. Rourke was a pretty decent quarterback last year as a passer. Um, he threw for 2,200 yards, 292 attempts, which isn't a ton. Um, but he is a good runner. He ran for 912 yards and 21 touchdowns last year, which is pretty crazy. Um, but Maxwell isn't – it's not like their styles are completely different. Uh, Maxwell gets out and runs too. He had, I think, eight rushing attempts against Howard. Um, so, I mean, it's not any, had two rushing touchdowns. So it's not like he's a prototypical pocket passer and Rourke's a dual threat kind of guy. Um, 
So I'm not exactly sure what their plan is as far as like rotating them or if one of them's going to play until he doesn't play well or what that's all about. But uh, both of them are capable. Um, I don't think there's like a big drop off from one to the other, except maybe Rourke's a little bit of better of a runner. What do you think, Dave? In the preseason, you had this thing. Uh, if I can read my own handwriting, because that's apparently a problem now. Twenty-one seventeen UVA. Clearly, this is a, a different situation because they're not going to be. It's not a home game. First neutral site game since nineteen eighty-nine. When you look at this thing, do you feel dramatically different about it? What do you feel like you can trust about UVA? And then talk talk about that, and then give us your uh, your prediction. I do feel differently about this one. Um, I just think. I guess I'm buying into Bryce more than we've seen on the field. I just I've seen a couple things from him that makes me think like he probably was angry after. You know, he was definitely angry after the game. Um, but you know, you see little things that happen in the game, and the next play he comes out and does a little harder. So I think he's a competitive type, and I, I think the team's going to kind of rally around this. You know, change in schedule and everything. Um, I think you're going to see the offensive line block a little better defensively. Hopefully we can make things happen. I think this game's going to end up being a little bit more high scoring than, than I anticipated before. So if, are you ready for my score, Brad? Did we get to that point yet? Yeah, man. Give it to me. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to up the total. I'm going to go Virginia 32, Ohio 21. I was debating giving them a field goal, but I will hold it to 21. So you think 32, 21. <laughs> Yeah, 30. You know how I feel about 30 this week. <laughs> we better hit 30. <laughs> All right. My goal is not 24. Uh, well, we have thought our goal was for 24 points. All right, Ferber, uh, in the preseason, you have UVA winning this thing 28 24 if my handwriting. Uh, wait, that's me. Wait, no, that's you. Why don't. Why do I. Why would I ever think the F is for me? Probably because my last name is Franklin. All right, 28 24. You predicted it in the preseason. Uh, you typically like to keep. I think question mark. Um, yeah. Um, what, what are you thinking? What am I thinking? Um, it's, it's a kind of a tough one to call because Ohio does well on offense. The exact thing that UVA couldn't stop against Indiana who doesn't exactly, I mean, they didn't come in when we wrote the Indiana preview and talked about them last week, we didn't highlight their running attack too much because they're more of a passing team. So obviously with the weather, they kept it on the ground and it worked. Ohio will have no issues keeping it on the ground. In fact, um, their coach this week mentioned that one of the reasons that they have a running game like they do is for rain and in those kind of situations. Um, like Dave said, their defense is a little bit of a question mark. Uh, I mean, they got torched. I mean, torched by Howard. Um, they gave up 484 passing yards, 645 yards on 92 plays and 32 points. Um, Howard is not a very good FCS team even. I mean, they just don't have the talent that a lot of other FCS programs have, like the JMUs and Richmonds of the world. Um, they have a good quarterback, though. Cam Newton's brother is pretty good. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I, those those things that we saw in that opener from them are concerning for Ohio. Um, I think they might have a little bit of trouble stopping UVA's running attack. Uh, they might just be overmatched up front. They only have one guy back in their front seven uh, from last year. And the secondary does have a lot of experience. They have three guys back. Um, their best defensive back was out for the Howard game, so that might help them a little bit. And Howard really shredded them through the air. Um, and But they ran the ball okay as well. I mean – it's not like they weren't able to run the ball. They averaged four yards a carry. They got 161 yards on the ground. So um, I think UVA will be able to run the ball effectively. Uh, if the weather's okay, maybe they get the passing game going again. Um, I think 28-24 is about right. It's kind of hedging. I think UVA could probably win by more than that. It's just that if they can't stop the run like they struggled to stop the run last week, then I think that you know, it's going to be a very close game like it was last week, and, and they could come out on the wrong end of it. But um, I'm going to go with UVA just because of uh, Ohio's defensive kind of question marks, and I think UVA will be able to get things going a little bit better on the offensive end. 
Um, two things. One, I can't. I can read my own handwriting, but I read definitely read you the uh, Louisville score and not the Ohio score. So actually, he had picked it thirty to twenty-seven UVA. In yeah, and I think I had it in overtime, if I remember correctly. You maybe did. I didn't write that nonsense down. I'm gonna okay. go. With, I'm gonna go with twenty-eight, twenty-four, though. I talked myself into it. Look at that. Look at that. The power Plus, of suggestion. I can't, go with, I can't go with anything in multiples of field goals, three points, because they haven't <laughs> made one yet this year. So Look at that. I just I just screwed up and basically belched on a snare drum and, per, and fervor ball. Yeah, I was thinking 28-something. I'll go 28-24. Right. I, uh, I had it 34-24 in the preseason. Um, I, I, I don't think that's too far off. I think Dave's point about points is, is probably spot on. Two things. One – I don't the, the 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 thing that keeps tripping me up about this game more so even than like um, the moving of the um, the the venue because obviously now UVA has to travel when they weren't planning to travel Broncos said they're going to do things pretty much similar to how they would do a true road game except they're not going to do their normal Friday walkthrough they're going to leave on Thursday um, so therefore they'll do their walkthrough but only with the traveling party versus having the you know the the bun- the rest of the dudes uh, that I guess help them. Uh, in that, so it won't be nearly as effective, I believe, is what how you phrase it. But the thing that's messing with me is that that they went out and sort of didn't play very well, and sort of lucked into or came back to win and a game that they obviously should have won from the start, and then they get a week off. And like, I mean, if you've been spending two weeks preparing for this offense, man, I'm a little bit nervous about it. You know what I mean? Like, what 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 new nuggets um, does Doctor Bob have for? You know, a, a coach who has you know a pretty seasoned sort of point of view. I, I'm a little bit nervous about Virginia's chances in this game simply because of that. But at the same time, I got to be honest, the way that the kids responded about and like they, they seemed angry to me, like frustrated at themselves, and like I would not be surprised if they have a chip on their shoulder coming out on, on Saturday. I I just I, I just get this vibe that like they they are very upset with themselves. And like they're sort of chomping at the bit to play and talking to them um, Monday and then, you know, being out there um, on Tuesday. It just that's certainly the way it seemed to me. The thing, too, that I'm curious about is I almost wonder if the change in venue doesn't actually help them in the sense that like it causes them to focus differently. Right. Like when you're at home. And maybe you, you you're you're in a position where you want to have a chip on your shoulder because you're upset about something, and you you know maybe you're you're frustrated with yourself and the way you played. Like maybe not being at home is actually a good thing, um, because you're, you're it forces you to get out of your comfort zone, and that's where you need to be. Like the last thing you need to be doing is kind of is kind of accepting things. Does that make sense? So I'm gonna stick with UVA winning it, um, but I am gonna make it a much closer situation. I'm gonna call it 35-31. I think it's a tight game. Um, I, I think Virginia ends up doing a little bit what it did uh, Saturday night, getting it stopped late. Um, you know, they were pretty good in the second half. I think I, I can see them adjusting and adapting. Um, my only worry is whether or not Virginia's offense can score that many points. My 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 trick is is that it, when you doubt Jordan Ellis, you probably do so at your own peril. I'm, I'm curious to see how he comes out, and I kind of think he's going to have a good game. Um, before we get to the fifth side of the ball, let me take our last break. Um, Cats Corner Podcast also brought to you tonight by Second String Sports and Stuart Straff. Um, we've talked about them the last few weeks. Stuart, uh, Second String Sports is a um, is all about offering you new and also quality used sports equipment. So not necessarily like I know a lot of people think used sports equipment, but like that's not what, what Second String Sports is all about. Um, so if you play baseball, softball, football, soccer, they basically have any gear that you could need. Um, or probably the the means to get whatever you might need. So the newest bats and gloves and gear from DiMarini, Louisville Slugger, Easton, Rawlings, Wilson, Evo Shield, it's all on the shelves um, at Second String. So let's say you got something from last season that you don't need anymore. Maybe um, you've got a son or a daughter who isn't going to play that specific sport again. Maybe they switched up on you. Um, you bring that stuff to Second String, you can get a, um, a credit towards your next purchase. You can check out what Second String has to offer at their store just outside Waynesboro, 2627 Stewart's Draft Highway, or you can go to their website right now. That's secondstringsports.com and second with a two. Uh, First string quality, first string service, second string sports. Our thanks again to Second String for their support of this show and all of CavsCorner.com. All right, fifth side of the ball. Um, I I, I don't want to not have a segment this week because I don't want Bronco to steal fifth side of the ball. For folks who don't know, in the coaches show, Bronco mentioned that when the players who aren't dressed sit in the stands, that's the fifth side of the ball because he refers to the sidelines as the fourth side of the ball. 
Um, we stole, we basically got fifth side of the ball from the idea of the fourth side. So I guess maybe technically this could be his first, but I don't care. Um, Ferber, do we have a fifth side of the ball segment or, or am I going to have to come up with one on the fly? Now, this is on you, man. I thought you had something. <laughs> well, I kind of want to talk about like, are we as a, as a, as a society, are we really this messed up that like, we don't see the big, the bigger picture when it comes to like why we're canceling football games. Because, like, it just seems like to me, like, I've just seen a bunch of, like, human, um, like, human, like, nastiness come out the last 48 hours. Like, I understand everybody wants to go to a football game. That's great. But, like, there are people who are going to have their lives irreparably harmed by this, man. Like, there's going to be inland flooding in parts of the Carolinas that's going to be, like, 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 biblical. And, like, I just don't – it makes me super uneasy. Like, I'm all about, like, understand – like, we can have a conversation about whether they should move the game and where they should move it and when they should make the call and all that stuff. But, like, some of the stuff and, like, the the whole, like, rallying around your team and defending it against, like, all comers, like, it's just weird to me. Um, I don't think that's necessarily going to be something that you guys are going to disagree with, but it was certainly something that was on my mind as we started this podcast. Um, it the The topic – though that I, I do sort of want to get into is are we going to start to see this happen more often? Because I feel like it's happening more often in the last few years where we have these um, early season games that get moved or, or canceled. And is that because we've, we've stretched the season out when we don't have as many places to, to, to move things? What do we attribute this? Um, because I mean, it's not like hurricane just became a thing, right? It's not like September hasn't been prime, season for hurricanes but like I, I just wonder if if there isn't some remedy I, I thought I saw I forget who it was um one of the national maybe one of the folks from the athletic talk about um putting in an extra bye week what would you guys like should we should we alter the schedules to give an extra bye week so as to possibly give another tool in the toolbox a shot at you know making sure that that 12 games get played what do you think, Dave? Would you be in favor of an extra bye week for that purpose? I would be in favor of extra bye week, even throwing that purpose out. Like I think having having an extra week for kids to heal up, and maybe maybe having not just that bye week, but you know, if you've got a you got a kid who's a little dinged up, and you've got one game left, and then you have a bye week, the coach is probably a little more likely not to. Not that coaches are pushing kids to play, but you know, it, it gives them a chance. Certainly. I don't see any reason why they can't. I know if you back it up a little bit, you're getting into exam time and everything else. Um, you know, it is what it is. You know, <laughs> move the season up a week. I don't care. Um, I do like the idea of two by weeks. Um, it, it makes a lot of sense to me. It's not going to hurt anything. I don't even know if you need to start it earlier. I mean, what's what's a, what's one week, especially if you know years in advance? Um I don't know how it would work flexibility wise because your your bye week would still have to match up with the team who you were playing that got you know got postponed. Um, so I don't know that it would help as much, but it, it couldn't hurt. That was a ho- horrible answer. But yeah, that's what you got. <laughs> that was just a long way of saying like sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> do it. I was hoping that come up some profound while I was talking through it. Yeah, that's okay. Sometimes that happens. Ferber, what do you think? Are you do you think that that this would even have any impact at all? I mean, it couldn't hurt. It's just, uh, I mean, mathematically, it's one more opportunity to be able to reschedule. Uh, but the problem is, you know, now it's not necessarily that there's only one bye week. It's that the bye weeks don't match, right? Right. So if UVA and Ohio had the same bye week, it'd be pretty easy. Just change it, you know. But they don't. So, I mean, there's 120-something teams, so the bye weeks are split up pretty evenly. Right. Um, I mean, obviously not very many teams have a bye in week one uh, or week two even, but oh, and then at the end of the season. But, yeah, Ohio, I thought that was very strange. Yeah, yeah very strange. Scheduling quirk for them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of – it's it's tough to reschedule these games. Um, I think if you started the season a week earlier, that might help, um, you know, and then have two buys. But, yeah, I mean, there's no real easy solution. And I think to your point about, you know, games getting moved and and uh, rescheduled more often maybe, I think, honestly, it's just kind of luck. Um, 
the hurricanes always come, but they're not always in the same place. They don't always have the same impact. Um, obviously, last year, the one that we saw that had the worst impact was in Houston. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that sort of it's, – it's random. And, I mean, we've had hurricanes come through in years past, and, and they've been considered, you know, a tropical storm by the time they get here, and then the games get played. Like two years ago, NC State played Notre Dame in basically a hurricane. And I thought it was interesting that they had no qualms with canceling a home game this year after having been through that experience. So I don't think they're sitting there saying, see, it's not that bad. You know, right. like we can just play. Um, so I think that, you know, that kind of it's it just it's it's affecting us now more in this area because this specific storm is coming through. True. But I mean, it always like in Florida, they had Irma last year. They had to move a bunch of games. I think that it's just kind of luck as to where they hit and when they hit. But um, and then if it's in the middle of the week, maybe the games don't have to get moved. But they just all happen to be right around the weekend. So. Yeah. Um, but I will say to your original point about people freaking out about this, um, obviously it's a bad look. And, and I think that people just emotionally, like they want to go to the games, they want to watch the games. They want to, you know, like that's what they're looking forward to that week. You know, people don't, not everybody likes going to work during the week. They're looking forward to something on the weekend. And then when it gets taken away from them, their initial reaction is like, how is this affecting me? Right. But they're not thinking about how it's affecting the teams right? right so i mean right. like ecu they they might not you know the whole city of greenville might not be underwater but they have a lot of players with families in that area that need to help their families and they need to get out of the area and, and you know it's just there's a lot of stuff that goes into it and i mean on a more like you know cynical note you would think that a team that had all these horrible injuries two weeks ago at florida state or after these big <laughs> florida state plays would have would want to rest and <laughs> up. well played but, uh, well yeah, done. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that is. While, while Ferber was talking, I think no, I figured it. No, no, dude, that was the perfect it. place to put a pen in it. <laughs> that was the perfect place to put a pen in it. You're gonna stumble it through it. Ugh, go. Just, there, you've I'm done it now. I'm saving you from the text thread later. I'm gonna get it out in the podcast. Lol. Um, why can't they just push the championship week back one week? Yeah, I was literally thinking that while you were talking before. Like, yeah. why couldn't they just have like a cancellation week? Yeah, because you got Army Navy that week anyway. Yeah. You know, you, you can, can just schedule move the Army a regular Navy game, game up to that week. You yeah. know? What's it going to hurt? That you're talking about, what, 8 to 10 teams playing in cha- maybe 12 teams playing in championship week? So they have to take an extra week off. And, and yeah. it gives you a chance to get those players all healthy to make those games better. True. So that True. seems like the easiest thing. True. I think I think it's probably – I feel like that's something that the coaches would be have a trouble, you know, have an issue with because it's like less time to prepare for their bowls and stuff. Right. Um, but then also you have the – and I like this idea. I think you could make it work if you make some adjustments, but you also have a set of bowl games that start the very next weekend. So um, obviously that would have to be factored in. So Yeah, they would have to be pushed back because a lot of those yeah, games I mean, they'd have they're to making the game back. up just to make a bowl, right? right. Yeah, they'd have to move them back or yeah. something. But, I mean, they've made changes in the past. I mean, we have a championship game now, like an additional playoff game that didn't exist before, and they were able to make that work. So Truth, yeah. Um, and they used to not have championship conference championship games, and they have them now. So I mean, you can always tweak things and and make things better. Like I mean, I love the idea that the college basketball season starts on a Tuesday now and not on a Friday because it's good for TV, it's good for exposure. Um, you know, like Friday nights kind of get lost in the shuffle, and it's in the middle of a football weekend. So yep. I think yep. like that sort of those sort of changes, you know, they can have a big effect. So. There is more than one way to skin a cat. And, but I hope everybody stays safe. Yeah, I was going to say, of course. Uh, no doubt. Um, on that note, we will put a pin in it. want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. want to thank uh, Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time. want to thank AskLandis.com as well as Second String Sports uh, for their support of the show and of the, and of the site. If you are somebody who found the show uh, through the website, um, uh, feel free to give us a review. It always helps um, to spread the word. If you are somebody who found the uh, the the show, but you have not been to the website. Give us a look. Uh, plenty of stuff for, that Ferber writes that makes a lot more sense than the stuff that I write. Um, so definitely give us a, a look at CavsCorner.com. And again, thanks to everybody out there for continuing to support the podcast. We are 274 episodes in now, um, which I don't know what that is in like dog years, but it's a lot. Um, but again, uh, thanks to to Dave and Ferber and uh, to everybody out there for continuing to give us uh, a listen. So, for David Spence, Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.